And welcome again to another edition of Fit Speak to Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along in studio with Kevin Watt. What's interesting tonight is that our mobile studio has changed. It's usually in Mission. Last week it was in North Vancouver. Today we're coming to you live from George Ferguson Way in Abbotsford. We're special guest. We've got Greg Ald, and Greg is going to tell us about a few interesting stories. He's got a life full of adventure and color and gratitude and caring and sharing, and we're going to bring all that to you, uh, the FitSpeak listener. But let's get things started, Greg. Uh, Let's go back in time. Aren't those cute kitties? Uh, Where's home for you, Greg, originally? Originally, I'm from Oakville, Ontario. Oakville, Ontario. I saw that on something here. So Oakville's uh, famous for what? Ford automobiles, I believe. Uh, yeah, uh, we've got we've got. Sorry, a few guys uh, who are listening in are uh, here. <laughs> I like cats. Uh, it's it's, cat it's my cats. <laughs> I'm a daddy to two cats, and they're fantastic. Boss and Foggy. You talk about fit fit cats. Yeah, they are very fit cats. Except my boss, he's uh, old and. You know, he's retired. <laughs> That's going to be our new podcast, FitCat.Cat. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about growing up in Oakville. What was that like? It was great. Actually, uh, Oakville, Ontario is actually famous for a few things. Yeah. Um, one, um, at one time, it was the priciest place in Canada. Um, so we grew up in a very affluent area. Hmm. Um, you, know, my, you know, my dad, he worked his ass off my dad was Ryan, he a car guy or were... he was a car guy uh, but he was uh, he was a printer you know and before oh. that he was a cop and um but uh one day you know it was one of those decisions my my mom said uh gave him an ultimatum oh you either choose the badge or you choose me and oh. uh he he i think quit the very next day he he cho- chose love over uh being a police officer. Were you around at that time? No, I wasn't. Okay. No. So this was in the pre-Greg era. Pre-Greg era, yeah. So what, what 68, 69? <laughs> I run there, actually, yeah. I think around, I, I think around uh, 72, but I'm not 100% sure. Right. But I do know that, you know, um, it's why I, I love romance. I think uh, my, my mom and dad um, uh, are the epitome of romance and love. Uh, they just celebrated their 50 year wedding Five zero. Yeah. Wow. That is, yeah. that's so a huge accomplishment I, nowadays. It, 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 it's a huge <laughs> accomplishment. It is. But I just want to give a big shout out to my mom and my dad, Brian and Martha Old, who honestly are, um, they've always been a rock to us. They, my mom and I, uh, you know, often we never saw eye to eye for many, many years. And, um, I think going through and something I'll, I'll delve into sure. later, uh, going through my mental illness, I um, uh, I was able to find solace in my mom, mm. and uh, it was, you know, we reconnected, and, and we have a great relationship now. So uh, I I look up to them like they're the best thing on the planet. And, mm. and you know, you, you see superheroes in Marvel comics and whatnot, and my superheroes are my parents. That's That was one of the questions. Wow. More of a Spider-Man type, or <laughs> not uh, your mom? Black Adam. Okay. I, I love Black Adam. I, I love the the, the uh, Superman and Black Adam are, are two of my favorites. And uh, um, uh, Black Adam is in 2021. Uh, is going to be played by uh, my good buddy, very good friend, one of my best friends in the whole world. I'm just throwing it out there. Yes. Dwayne the Rock. If you smell what he's cooking, Johnson. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to talk about <laughs> Matt Hill because he's. Uh, involved in the community as well um so growing up 
in Ontario, Oakville, Ontario. Ontario. How long did you spend in Ontario before heading out west? Uh, well, I was born in uh, 74, um, 45. And now, uh, let me see, uh, April 3rd, 1990 is when we moved out. And what uh, was the reason for the move? Mom and Dad just wanted to move. They oh, wanted okay. to change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember my dad picking me up from McDonald's. Uh, I, was, I was working a part-time job there. And, uh, you know, I go to the parking lot, and he goes, son, I, I have some news to tell you. We're moving. I says, oh, down the street? He's mm. like, no, we're going to move to British Columbia. Wow. And I said, whoa, I don't speak Spanish, though. <laughs> I didn't even know where BC oh. was. <laughs> I was like, he goes, you idiot. No, British Columbia. British Columbia. Yeah, they speak <laughs> British there. <laughs> that, that or Colombian. <laughs> that or Colombian. Yeah, right. okay. So, uh, I, you know, it was cool. I, I mean, I was like, all right, um, I, you mean Vancouver area? He's like, yeah. He's like, do they even have a, do, do they have a hockey team? He goes, well, no, yeah. They, they haven't had a hockey team. <laughs> since their inception. <laughs> since snaps. <laughs> exactly. So this but, is, the, nice segue, by the way. This is a sports podcast. So uh, growing up in Oakville, um, what kind of. Donovan sp- Bailey, by the way. Donovan Bailey. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I love Donovan Bailey. And uh, I also met uh, Ben Johnson, who I was a huge fan. Of. I'm still a huge fan of Ben Johnson. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole steroid thing, I think, was honestly overblown because everyone did them. Yep. I don't care what you say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl Lewis, that loser Carl. Carl Lewis, <laughs> who can't sing a lick, by the way. Uh, you know, uh, everyone... Who's looked... actually Grace Jones in drag, or is it the other way around? <laughs> I always get those... It's true. <laughs> I never wow. even thought of that. Oh, That's yeah. fantastic. That same actually, I, tunnels, I think Grace Jones is, is a way better looking man. Probably Carl just as Lewis. fast, too. So, your sports. What were you doing in Oakville as a kid? Well, I, I really loved... We were just talking off uh, camera here about... Um, uh, sprinting, and I, I loved I loved the hundred meter. Uh, I was a big fan of uh, uh, Ben Johnson. Got to meet him a few times. Oh really? And, oh yeah. And uh, you know he, he was a whole other beast, right? His legs were just like I wish I could. Mm. I have these chicken legs. I've always had chicken oh, legs. Wow, no yeah. matter they're power. Excuse me, they're powerful, but I they're they're just not. They I just can't build on. Aesthetically, they're not as uh, robust. Dude, as every time I go ben buy Johnson. a chicken, a, 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 like a, a chicken farm here in Abbotsford, yeah, chicken the, stop and stare. Yeah, and I go, it's wow, mating material here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look right. at those legs, damn. So you took to sprinting, hundred yard dash in uh, high school. I was yeah, high, high, hundred mile, uh, hundred mile, a hundred uh, hundred meter uh, was my thing. Uh, I liked short sprints. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very fast, um, but it wasn't until. Uh, a good friend of mine who I grew up with in Oakville, Ontario, on the same street on Forest Hill, Owen Dawkins, got me involved in wrestling. And uh, and what was your relationship with Owen's friend? Or uh, well, he was a neighbor. Okay. But um, you know, honestly, I consider him a brother. I always have. He's always. I've always looked up to him. Um, uh, for many reasons, he's always kept a good uh, head on his shoulders. Um, he's actually a coach out in Edmonton now. He's been wrestling there for coach. A while. He's a wrestling coach. Okay. So he's stuck. He's stuck with wrestling for a long time and a winning coach. Like he 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 produces some of the best wrestlers in Canada. <laughs> um, he's one of the smartest guys I know too, and uh, he does so well with the pandas. I just um, and actually I'm going to give a big shout out to you, brother uh, Owen. Thank you very much for your leadership. Thank you very much for your friendship and your love. And honestly, um, I'm I'm grateful that he got me into wrestling because uh, I was this very very over the top, over exerting, uh, hyperactive kid who had no focus. And you know, I was acting at the time, and it still wasn't enough. So then I got into wrestling, and I found a niche. I was able to wrestle guys my own weight category, 
and mm-hmm. I found I was stronger, I was faster, and I was dominant. And uh, the first few years were fantastic because mm. um, I didn't have any injuries, and it really propelled me into, you know, uh, that uh, you know the provincials and the nationals mm-hmm. level, and and it was fantastic. I it was more of the fact I wasn't. Um, uh, I didn't get into, I didn't go to the Olympics or anything like that, but I got to wrestle and partner with Olympians and world mm-hmm. champions, you know. Tons of great role models around you. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And it wasn't just about the sport. It was about the sport that took you into real life. Mm. Um, and, and that's where sport is extremely important, especially with young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it teaches them stability. It teaches them um, uh, not only sportsmanship, but team teamwork you know and if you don't have any of those you, you're not going to make it in, in the real world sure right like accountability and accountability for right? sure i mean you know you have to commit but you also have to produce and people are counting on you as well and so you got to back them up because you know it goes both ways yeah and one of the reasons i think um though i i, I probably did better in wrestling than i did say baseball which my dad was really big in he was a phenomenon um and he was a actually uh uh, a left-handed uh, pitcher. Oh, a pitcher! Cool. Oh, yeah, but he got it. He he injured his arm. But like back in the day, they didn't have uh, counts, right? They didn't. He was a pitcher, so they. Didn't, but you know, you can only pitch so many uh, pitches, and then they they take you off so you don't get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, my dad would throw a thousand pitches, no problem. Whoa. <laughs> and it just ruined his arm. And you know, he's the kind of guy that you know, if my dad was committed, he probably could have gone to the majors if he wanted mm. to. Mm-hmm. But he ended up going into he continued with baseball, but as a. Um, uh, umpire, and then uh, he did umpiring for like you know forty plus years. How are his knees? Uh, he's got tree trunk legs. Okay, I'm sure his knees are just fine. Okay, his hips fine. He's in great shape. Mm. Uh, he just you know he suffered a stroke a couple years ago, mm. and uh, you wouldn't be the wiser because huh? uh, he came back from that like like a real champ. And um, but back in the day when he was when he was younger when he was um, in his twenties, yeah, he was a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. He, he was a roller derby kind of guy. He he, he was a, a security guard for the Supremes. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> he's oh, got yeah. stories to tell. Oh, he's got some great stories. Our next guest on Fitzby. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, you listening? <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, uh, we're talking about wrestling and, and how, you know, that sport for me, um, it, it spoke to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my coach, my very first coach was um, Jim Hall, mm-hmm. and he was another human being that um, oh, I I continue to look up to. You know, uh, I think he's retired now, um, but uh, we're friends on Facebook, so mm-hmm. hopefully uh, I can uh, tag uh, tag you, uh, Coach Hall. Jim Hall. Jim Hall. Can uh, you call him Jim now that he's? I don't know. I still call him Coach Hall. Okay. Uh, you know, I have. I was gonna say when you have gray hair like me, but you don't have hair, so well, at least not <laughs> wow. on your head. Wow! 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 Okay, well, this uh, podcast is over. Thanks very much for coming. <laughs> so, so what a beautiful segue because uh, we're talking about um, athletics in school and how it was almost therapeutic for you. I was wondering what kind of a student you were along that way and what kind of effect that being part of a, a sports team, the wrestling team had on you uh, as far as academics go. Uh, there's uh, Not on the script. Totally unscripted. Yeah, no. Um, I was a horrible student. 
What does that mean, horrible student? Low I, marks, bad behavior, what? I'm a teacher in my other job, so I... Everything. Everything. Yeah, oh. I, I was I was a very wild child. I was uh, very uh, unmanageable. Uh, I went from school to school. Mm. Um, I had, uh, you know, learning disabilities with respect to dyslexia. Um, uh, in, you know, as an actor, dyslexia is not good, especially if you're reading a script. And if you're, if you, if you're going in... Uh, cold for a cold read um, it's really really tough so for me I've got to read something over and over and over and over, over again yeah uh, in, and then I have to really understand it not just memorize it but I have to understand uh, the what where when why well context how, is everything context is everything yeah um, and sometimes I ha- I'll have somebody read me a script um, the way it it's supposed to the inflection right, and yeah. the tone and all that and then I could just mimic and I was really good at mimicking. And that's why directors really enjoyed working with me because I can do exactly as I was told. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lauren Seafred, who is uh, uh, a director in the stage, uh, he directed me in, uh, in a show called um, Death Trap. And uh, uh, I learned so much from him because uh, he really actually helped me truly understand what script reading was and and taking it from script to the stage and um that just for me anyway that, that's talking about acting but that that propelled me in in that in that way um but uh yeah i don't know why i just started talking about it. well i mean there's a segue where well i could retrace the steps academics wrestling and then the acting comes in as part of it but you know acting i'll tell you acting though helped me um uh as a kid in school get my grades up though because um uh from my teachers knew i had learning disabilities uh and so they, but they also knew I was very good with respect to, um, you know, kind of like that hand-eye coordination, coordination, sure. and and uh, so they they kind of I think tweaked their teaching abilities for me as we should, me, as, we as should. most teachers yeah. should. Some teachers not so much, but uh, I know Mr. Kalpaka in <laughs> grade five. I'll never forget Mr. Kalpaka. He was phenomenal. <laughs> like he he was he was the kind of guy that actually really spoke to me. He he actually helped me understand a little bit more about nature and took me on nature hikes. Um, and um, instead of doing the academic stuff, mm-hmm. uh, he kind of segued over to something different um, for for me to understand mm-hmm. the the context of what he was trying to teach. Yeah. So he big would, picture. Yeah, yeah, he would draw the picture for me, you know, and, mm. and um, but uh, you know, I, I I learned to learn um, mm. later on, and um, I was a you know, uh, not everybody can take to education uh, like like we're all different, but uh, that's why I didn't go to university or finish university because I, I just uh, I couldn't do it. Mm. I, the, the I'm a worker. I'm a worker bee. You know that's my role, mm-hmm. and I'm a doer. And um, the 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 writing and the the, the studying yeah. was not was not right. my yeah no was not my bag. That's maybe. okay. That's all right. But to take a look at a script and have to read it, memorize it, put in the mental sweat work, mm-hmm. you've obviously had to do that, and you've obviously done well at that i was successful yes for sure so it's uh, part of an interesting dichotomy as a person and you, you just admit it to not being but all of a sudden when it comes to the right situation the right context mm-hmm. on go the lights right. here comes the geek in you <clears throat> word for word let's go back to wrestling and tell us sure. um 
because I come from an athletic background where longer is better and uh, harder is discouraged. I mean, when you're running a marathon, you're not giving it your all. But uh, tell us what it would be like for um, a wrestler. How do you train for being a wrestler or a sprinter? I mean, um, intensity, well, I guess, but what does that mean? Well, I think a lot of coaches are are, are different in, in their um, ways of coaching. Um, uh, I mean, Jim, <clears throat> Jim Hall, um, the Wildcats, you know, since, uh, we were at White, White Oaks Wildcats, I remember, uh, finally, we had some awesome, awesome, um, two hour, uh, practices and, you know, and this is in you, high school, this is in high school, mm-hmm. this is back in, in grade nine in Oakville. And then when I moved out here, um, I ended up going from a high school to a junior high, just based on, uh, you know the the education systems okay and uh i ended up coming out uh here to uh coquitlam uh and i went to coma lake school uh and oh man i you know i love my coach there but i can't remember his name <laughs> jack kearney wow. that's who it is uh mr kearney um he actually coached uh, john tenta who was um, famous for being Earthquake as in the WWF. Oh, The okay. big guy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually was, um, uh, he did sumo in Japan, and uh, I was a big fan of John Tenta. So mm. I knew this going into the, I'm like, Jack Kearney, why do I know that name? Ah. I looked it up, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so I was really, really excited to... Um, to work with uh, Mr. Kearney and uh, you know he had a he had he was more of a um, uh, hit the weights kind of guy mm-hmm. and then um, I met a guy who changed my life completely Chris Wilson Chris Wilson um, is uh, a Hall of Famer here in, in 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 BC he's in the Sports Hall of Fame he's an Olympian uh, he went to SFU he was uh, he was probably the greatest Canadian wrestler of all time uh, next to Daniel Legali mm. and um, but a pure Canadian you know and what does that mean pure Canadian nicest, to you? nicest human being on the planet <laughs> apologizes a lot always always mm-hmm. it's like sorry for being so awesome nah. <laughs> right? I love it when people get my jokes uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did he mean by that Kevin yeah, right? oh now that's <laughs> yeah I know Chris uh, Chris came uh, he was doing a power tour he was he was a motivational speaker, and he came to uh, Coma Lake um, Junior High, and uh, Mr. Kearney asked me, "Would you like to meet Chris Wilson?" And my jaw dropped, and I'm like, "You mean like Chris like the world champion Chris Wilson?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Really?" I went I went geeky like I was like, "What? Are you kidding?" <laughs> and so I got to meet Chris, and he says, "Would you like to be part of this power tour?" And and um, Demonstrate, demonstrate some wrestling uh, wow. in front of the class or in front of the, the whole school. I'm wow. Like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Golly. And I was so excited. Like it was, it was cool, man. I was meeting my hero, mm-hmm. you know. And we, we talked about heroes, and and you know my my heroes are real people like Terry Fox, Chris Wilson, you know my dad. Those are the, probably the top three. And Daniel. Um, I just, you know, and my son, Ben, I mean, he's a hero of mine for sure. And my daughter, I always look up to my kids because, uh, they're, they're just good kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, uh, the, the cool factor is, you know, I was new to the school and here I got to show off my wrestling skills yeah. with, with Chris and it made, it helped me make a, a, a few more friends, you mm-hmm. know, and a few enemies because, you know, some people get jealous. Well, yeah, they test I mean, you, they the test new you kid, time, yeah. right. 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, when I when I actually showed up, yeah, in April of 1990, um, New Kids on the Block was a big thing. Yeah. Oh. Right. And um, what I didn't know, I didn't know who they were though. I had no idea who they were. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but when I when I came to the school, they had all these posters made up. Ban New Kids. New kids suck. Oh, wow. And that's... I'm the new kid on the block. I'm literally thinking they're talking about me. Oh, <laughs> like, that's... what the hell? I was like, uh... They got it out for you, man. Yeah. And I met this girl, uh, Leanne Jin. Uh, she was really my first friend here in BC, who I'm still friends with to this very day. Loveliest woman you'd ever meet. Great kids. Great husband. Great life. And, um, you know, I was very grateful to meet her and, because, and Megumi. And because um, uh, they they accepted me as to who I was, and and they they didn't care, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who you know where I came from or whatnot, and um, and they helped me kind of uh, get into the life out here, you mm-hmm. know, and meet new friends Ooh. and all that kind of stuff. So uh, thank you, Leanne. Appreciate it. <laughs> In case you're listening. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. They'll we'll, be listening. We'll They'll make, be listening. We'll make Everyone that happen. listens. This is the number one podcast in all of. Kevin Watt, Kevin Watt will make that Fraser happen. Valley. That's Correct. right. Well, now we've got Greg Old on board now, so <laughs> numbers increasing. Well, it was by... either me or Donovan Bailey, right? Well, so you know, yeah, exactly. That's, that's Greg our Old, <laughs> New Year's special. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us about some of your crazy uh, wrestling workouts. What sort of things did your coaches have you do that just kind of blew your mind or blew your biceps or? When when uh, when I met Chris, he he asked if I wanted to go, come up to SFU. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I was already just me- you know mesmerized by the fact that I'm talking to Chris Wilson. He's asking me if I want to come up to SFU to train. I mean, mm. I'm in junior high, and you guys want me to come up? I'm not even I'm not even 16 years old yet. This is crazy. So I get to train with um, you know uh, guys I'm guys like uh, Rob Wellwood and and um, Tom Patrician, and they're all my my size. And Tom went to the Olympics, by the way, and he was phenomenal. He was a phenomenal. And I got to work with these guys. Like, I got to wrestle with these guys and, and practice. And the practices were killer. Mm. I mean, night and day from high school to oh, university. Oh, I bet, hey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, there was uh, from circuit training to um, weight training to just wrestling. Like, mm-hmm. we would call it Russian Russian wrestling or Russian practice where it's just an hour of just wrestling. Whoa. Um, and you Stamina. Know, Oh yeah. yeah, it's all about stamina yeah. and it's all about technique and mm. it's all about you know it's also power, right? Mm. Um, uh, the power training was are fantastic as well. Jim Mitchell was the the uh, the, the power training. Uh, he was the weights guy. He I remember uh, Jim. He would he would get up and he would just start doing push ups or not push ups, uh, pull ups. Pull ups. Yeah. But and he would he would do these wide arm pull ups and he would do a like thousand of them and Ooh. I'm just like well, how is he doing that? Oh my god, the guy's a beast, right? <laughs> And uh, I was like, I want to be like that. Mm. And, you know, I got to about maybe 200 yeah. in a row with like five breaks in between. <laughs> <laughs> but I could never do it with the chains that he had, man. Yeah. It was, oh, oh, really? Yeah. Hey? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. wow. And, Beastly uh, indeed. Oh, yeah. And then uh, yeah, Dave McKay, who is a, re- who is a wrestling coach, as well as uh, the, the, the phenomenal and the legendary Mike Jones. Uh, Iron Mike Jones was... Um, it, and is and it will always probably be the greatest wrestling coach Canada has ever had. And the guy is from Oregon. Kim. Oh, well, um, but uh, he he just re- he just retired. He's semi-retired. Um, he still comes up and uh, uh, works out with um, you know 
and helps out with Justin Abdu, uh, who's taken over that leadership role and uh, uh, up at SFU. And but there, it's a whole other beast, man. It's a mm. whole other beast. Wrestlers, you know, we had uh, football players come up from SFU to train with us because they wanted to have better stamina. They wanted to get better speed, and they would just die within 15 minutes. Oh, like, really? Oh, hey? oh yeah. Huh? Like, I don't know how you guys do that. I'm like, well. And how did that guys. make you feel? It made us always feel good. Yeah. Right? I mean, I never got to uh, train with any of the football players because they're freaking huge. They're just uh, monsters. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the cool thing about wrestling. I mean, it's not like hockey or you know football where you. <laughs> You're paired up against these monsters. It's relatively a person that's same, the, same, about the same size. Same as you. size I mean, yeah. you know, 185 pounds or whatever can come in different shapes and sizes, but it is still 185 pounds. Yeah, and yeah. I was on the lower scale of that. I was yeah. you know, 125 to, 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 I think I wrestled between 101 pounds to, I think my 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 last weight was 165. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I was a little guy. I'm now 180, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm solid. Mm-hmm. Solid, solid, ladies. Yeah, right? <laughs> so what kind of mental strain uh, and pressures were you dealing with up at SFU compared to, I guess? Well, like I said, it's a different beast, right? I mean, you um, you have to be focused, 100% right. focused, right? You have to listen to your coaches. You do as you are told, right? Um, and you do not waver. Uh, I, I remember uh, breaking my foot. and How'd that happen? Uh, just actually just, you know, just doing some technique stuff to, and, um, Oh, so this wasn't like kicking the dog. No, or, no, no, no. And, uh, I just, I just landed on my foot wrong and I oh. like something's wrong in my body. It, uh, it didn't, it disagreed. It, it did not like the fact that was, mm. <laughs> it was, uh, um, I had a, a fracture and, uh, I started throwing up. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I remember Mike just kind of wandering over to, to me as I'm throwing up and he's like, uh, yeah, go upstairs, go, go get yourself checked out. And then one of the one of the wrestlers like, Coach, what's wrong with Greg? Eh, broke his foot probably. <laughs> Another day. But he'll at be the fine. Office. Get back on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, right. Stay focused, right? Yeah, oh exactly. wow. So he, they have jobs to do. We have jobs yeah. to do, right? Yeah. So you know, a few weeks later, I was back in the mat again, taped foot, mm-hmm. just doing your thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, they're they're a whole other beast because they're they're training. Uh, wrestlers to not only win but to achieve ultimate goals, which would be uh, the worlds, nationals, worlds, and Olympics. Into the Olympics. Yeah. Um, Although the worlds is actually a tougher tournament. Hmm. So when Daniel Legali yes. uh, won in uh, 1999 um, the 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 world championships, I mean that should have been celebrated in a huge way. Mm-hmm. Nobody showed up at the airport. Ah, yeah, sure, right. It doesn't get the recognition, but the pool of talent is is greater. Oh yeah. In order to uh, move on from from that that competition, yeah. right? Like um, going going back to Kevin Watt for a second. So when we look at wrestling, you're just confirming kind of what we said, and we take that into a cycling context um, because Kevin is a good cyclist, and I want to be a good cyclist. But we look at the World Championships for cycling a lot more. Uh, in a higher regard than, say, for example, the Olympics, because the big names are there. I mean, this Olympics thing, yeah, it gets a lot of views on television. You know, there's all the pageantry of it. But when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the sport, I mean, that's where the attention by the people, in quotes, in the know, they uh, they 
place a higher value on mm-hmm. that. And it sounds like that's what you're confirming. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. And you know, the sad thing is, you know, nobody shows up to, you know, see Daniel come back from the airport from the, the from winning the world championships. But the very next year, you know, we all show up, including myself. In fact, I think I was the first person there at the airport waiting for him to show up. <laughs> and then suddenly I see more people trickle in and then there's, thousands of people there in 2000 when he won the olympics and i'm like this is this is uh, can i swear no we this is <laughs> effing nuts Freaking, yeah. this Thank is you. this is fudging nuts i couldn't believe it yeah. it was crazy i'm like wow you know and it was really great to see daniel win because he he really truly deserved um, i think a lot of athletes have experienced that kind of a a scenario though there was the uh you know the the track cyclist from from edmonton alberta and you know um she experienced that same thing where she goes out she comes back you know it's 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 not it's it's olympic sports it's not F- nfl it's not um you know um european soccer or any of mm-hmm. it right it's just kind of a different yeah, there's a lot of sports that that um, unfortunately, like wrestling, they just we don't get um, the uh, broad spectrum as as we should. Like darts, this is what pisses me off. <laughs> about, about you like can say TSM. pisses off. Good, that's yeah, right. TSN, you piss me off, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> They'll show hours and hours of darts mm-hmm. on their show. That's sports. That's a sports TV show. Athleticism. How at its finest. is darts athletic in any way? I drink beer and play darts. I can't drink beer and wrestle. I can't drink beer and cycle. I can't drink beer and do a triathlon. Although, to be honest with you, I think that should be a sport: drinking beer and triathlon. <laughs> well, they have, drink, they have drink. Well, yeah, they have drinking wine. They have drinking beer for marathons. There is. Really? I there don't is recommend the... it. No. <laughs> no, but it's funny. That's the thing. Understood, but what's though. not funny is the fact that there, you know, um, certain, um, uh, you know, like Sportsnet and and uh, TSN and whatnot, they're willing to show off these these beer swilling <laughs> idiots. <laughs> Who are? I'm sorry if you're a dart fanatic, but you're not an athlete. No, there's period. there's got to be a line drawn. There's I mean, a there's, line drawn. there's I mean, skill in there's skill. throwing that, darts, that, but the athleticism. Well, not so much. Take a look. Hey, I just yeah. want to interject here for just one moment. <laughs> uh, we're only what five days post Don Cherry. Mm. All right. Yeah. So I mean. We're, we don't want to offend the dark community we, here. We, Just we, saying. Oh, no, no. Just I'm saying. here to offend the dark community. So you can suck it up, buttercup, or get out. That's as far as I'm concerned. As long as you said the dart with a T. Okay, yeah, let's right move on. T. So one of the things I'm interested in in a sport like wrestling is with yeah. there are um, harsh weight limits, which you have to, There's, I assume oh, there's yeah. a way in. How are you as a, a competitive hungry young male able to keep your weight in check oh who said i was able to in uh that's an assumption of the host (laughs) um there's okay i got a i got a great story it's it's um it's a it's a lesson that i learned in life uh and unfortunately i had to learn it the hard way Mm. Uh, i went down to vegas for the u.s nationals and um uh ian mcdonald was our coach and i was already overweight on uh, just before the flight, and you know, I had to work my ass off to to lose the weight. How do you do that? 
Um, well, I was already, I, I was already having a uh, fluctuation with my, um, just water weight. So it was just water weight. I figured, you know, that's fine. I can, I can, I can just not eat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, by the time I get to Vegas, I'll be fine. Um, I will say that, uh, potato salad is probably not the food item that you want to eat prior to a, uh, weigh-in. So... <laughs> tell, way, tell us more. <laughs> on the way to a weigh-in uh, at the U.S. Nationals, <laughs> where guys like uh, John Smith were wrestling, who who's an icon in wrestling. It, 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 he's one of the greatest American wrestlers of all time. Uh, you had Kurt Angle there. You had you know some of the top wrestlers of all time in this tournament. There's <laughs> a little old me. I was hungry. I was starved myself for a good two days, um, and uh, I just couldn't help myself. I saw this little little bowl of potato salad, and I ate it. And then I go to the weigh-in, oh, no. and I'm overweight. Oh. I'm like, damn it. So you only have a certain time frame to lose that weight. So I you know, had to go to the bathroom many times. Um, you know, took one of those things that help you flush everything out very very quickly evacuate yes i i wore this suit um like a sweatsuit went into the sauna started you know like my coach was having me do everything is this healthy no no it's extremely not healthy in fact um uh i would uh, you know if i was older and wiser i would have said you know what screw it Mm. just put me into a different weight category Mm -hmm. i'm fine but um, you know, we we wanted to, you know we wanted to wrestle in that weight category. Uh, at least I I needed to be in that weight category. I had a chance to. I know I had a chance to win mm-hmm. in that ca- category. Unfortunately, uh, I went back to the weight scales and I I didn't make weight by like point zero zero one per pound. Like I don't know exactly what it. Harsh. It was minuscule. Uh. Minuscule. And I and I couldn't tell you how disappointing it was for not only my coach but for my team my whole my entire team uh ribbed me in a really big way uh i was the very next day i was in, at the poolside we were staying at this hotel where uh they had a court you know like a courtside pool type deal and um i was sitting you know grabbing some sun reflecting on mm. my stupidity of not making weight and from I think four stories up, they took a entire can, like a, like a garbage can yeah. of water, cold water, mm-hmm. and dumped it from above onto me. Oh, wearing white pants. Oh, and no underwear. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Uh, so you know they they got me good. I mean it would have been an assault nowadays. You know. Mm. But, uh, you know, I had to take my licks, man, mm. for being an idiot and, and not making weight. Yeah. Making weight in wrestling is what you need to do. Same with MMA. Same mm. with boxing. It's, Cycling, it's, triathlon, all these sorts of things. Do you, well, do you need to make weight? In well, no, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, I've I never guess, seen an overweight uh, cyclist. I would love to. I'm an overweight cyclist. No, you're not. Ah. No, you're not. You've got, like, no body no, fat. I, I, hear, I hear you. No, I know. I understand in in that respect there is like um you know you got to qualify or weight you got to qualify for your weight yeah you got to make weigh in i mean period exactly. you know that was the only time i ever not made i, I never made weight uh. and i learned my lesson well yeah, and you've applied that 
many times over since then, I'm sure, right? Uh, well, yeah, not since I retired. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us about your life post-wrestling. What what have you been doing? Well, uh, let me, before I, I, I discuss post-wrestling, let mm. me just really, um, uh, I want to, in, back in 1990, uh, the, the winter of 1990, mm. I actually broke my back. Wow. So, yeah. And uh, that was... Once again, a wrestling type injury or... It, so, there were several several um, unfor- unfortunate events uh, during wrestling tournaments that hurt my back. And then I went tobogganing. And I hit my 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 um, uh, my bone on the, on the bum. Uh, what's that called? Uh, the, I oh, call it a tailbone. Tailbone. But, That's what it is, yeah. yeah. So, I, I hit thought my you tailbone. were going to get all technical on No, like no. The... So, I hit my tailbone. Um, and it... It ruptured something in 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 my in my spinal column that had previously been compromised by correct yeah and uh, basically from and that was that was just after uh, winter break in in uh, at uh, school or in the in the start of the, the winter break and over the course of several days it got worse and worse and worse and worse uh, I was on Demerol. And on New Year's, uh, the doctor just like gave me a shot of Demerol because I was in so much pain. I couldn't, I couldn't walk properly, and my parents didn't know what the hell was going on. Wow! I ended up in the hospital for a long time. So you had a broken back, but didn't know it. Yeah. Whoa! Uh, I ended up having a back cast for many, many, many months, and um, I mean, the only person because I was still new in in, in Ontario or, or in BC, yeah. here, the only person that I knew really was Chris Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's the only person that came to me in the hospital. And signed my back cast. Wow. Yeah. And he said, and I still actually have that back cast to this very day. And it says to the future world champion, huh. get well soon. Wow. And I'll never forget it. I'm never going to give that back cast. Uh, I'll never throw it out because yeah. it reminds me of how human I am. Yeah. And, and that um, you can be back into the worst. It doesn't matter where you come from mm-hmm. or what the situation you're in. You can always get out of it. Right. You know, so it yeah. took a long time to get out, but mentally it took even longer. You know, Chris gave me a, a, a book called The Mental Athlete. I forgot who it was written by, but I did read it, and it helped me th- it helped me get through my injuries mentally, because a lot of that was was mental. Mm. It, it was um, me going back into wrestling was it was all mental and mm. nothing to do with physical. Mm. Um, and when I went down to Vegas. Really unfortunate too because I didn't make weight. Yeah, I ended up going up two weight categories, and wrestled. Uh, I only had two matches, and the second match, the guy threw me on him. He he literally saltoed me. He I landed on my back with his hand in the back of my spine, uh-huh. and um, I thought I broke my back again. Again, so they ended up uh-huh. throwing me in the. They they took me to the hospital, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, found there was no fracture or anything like that. Um, but you know, it was a, it was more. It was more. Sca- I was more scared yeah. than anything else. I was mm-hmm. afraid mm-hmm. of that. I was been again, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do that again. And so uh, it's really unfortunate, you know. I had to come yeah. back from the U.S. Nationals, you know, broken man. Mm-hmm. And it took a, it took another full year for me to really recover mm-hmm. from that. But you know, post you know post wrestling, uh, I learned a lot of lessons from. You know the years of wrestling, and even the years as a coach. I mean, I'm a, I'm a winning coach. You know, we won the provincials as a as a coach. And where, really, where was that at? Uh, that was here in BC. It was okay. at, yeah, it was at BC. I was working with Gord Sturrock at the mm-hmm. time, and and um, and uh, Bob Maffertaff. Uh, I forgot his last name, but Bob knows who I'm talking about. And he's a great guy. And you know, the the cool thing is. Um, 
Uh, I got to work at Centennial where I went to school, mm-hmm. you know, high school, and I got to work with some of the best uh, best wrestlers um, we've ever had in, in Centennial. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned a lot. I took a lot of what I learned as a wrestler and put it in as a coach and said, hey, guys, these are some of the things I see in you that I did, and I want you to avoid this, this, and this, and try this, this, and this. And it worked. Well, and also, too, when you apply that mental game, uh, the injury aspect to coaching and, and the rest of it, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it raises the bar and it uh, kind of makes you a little bit more succinct in terms of um, approaching people and, and, and getting out of them what you're able to, what you see yeah. in terms of uh, your role in coaching. Right? Mm-hmm. So it speeds things up just just from learning from your injuries, right? Yeah. So it does. that's that big mental game, right? There's a whole bunch of things that go with it too, right? I mean, there's, you know, the highs and lows of dealing with injury and, and what it does for the brain and how it affects it and, you know, how you learn from it, right? Mm-hmm. How you have to drag yourself out of the hole. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a tough mm-hmm. one, right? That's the, that's the thing, man. Like, uh, it, it's, it's getting over your, your mental abilities your, or disabilities at the time, you know. Um, and if you can bypass uh, some of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you can you, – I'm going to take – prime example, Brent Hayden, very close friend of mine. Um, he's a three-time Olympian, right, in, in swimming. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he and he's also a world champion. Mm-hmm. He's a he, he's a bronze medalist in, at the Olympic Games. Every time I have to go begrudgingly to practice my swim, there he is on the wall looking at me. <laughs> in mission, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I know I have a hard time looking at him too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brent. I do love you, but you know, here's the thing. Um, he retired. Um, because of basically mental strain and didn't think he was good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? He's back. Mm-hmm. He's right. back, baby. Yeah. And I am so excited. When I, he told me, before he told the world. Right, because that he, just came out like I, three weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, I cried. Hmm. I literally, I cried. I physically was shaking, and I said, I am so proud of you, man. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy for you because I'm happy not only for you, but for all the kids that follow you and all of Canada and the entire world that love you, we look forward to your fourth Olympics. Yeah. And he's got he's got game. Mm. He's back because he's mentally like, you know what? I got nothing to lose. Yeah. You know? So when you have nothing to lose, you're dangerous. You're da- yeah. That's the, Well, um, my teaching job is in a prison. And one of the things you want to make sure that inmates in the jail have they've got something going on. They've got something going for them because mm-hmm. a, a person or a prisoner, when they have nothing to lose, that is the most dangerous yeah, person. Yeah. So, I mean, with an athlete with uh, nothing to lose and everything to gain, boy, that's that's going to be a dangerous person to, to compete against. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I think uh, Brent Hayden is going to do yeah. really well. Mm. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm spitting with the guy. Not only is he tall and handsome, but he's bald <laughs> and beautiful. Oh, there's a <laughs> pattern going on. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I like to hang out with fellow, you know, bald guys. You know? <laughs> right? He just needs to grow a beard. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if well, you can do I, that uh, 
he can do that before he starts going deep into the the, <laughs> the swim training. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I think right? Phelps had some facial hair going once upon a time, didn't he? I think so, I'm but not it, sure. Phelps, Phelps, you know why Phelps was so so bloody good, right? Because his his feet were free, freaks of nature. His his ankles, like he had this range of motion that nobody else had, and that's why he did so well. No, I'm just saying. Just saying. And he ain't coming back, but locally. Hayden is coming back. He is, man, yeah. and in a big way. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think Brent Hayden is someone to look forward to in, in the Olympics. I think he's one of those. He, you know, there's a lot of athletes um, that come from Canada that are fun- phenomenal, but um, there's only a few, you know, like Simon Whitfield, um, Clara Hughes, Clara Hughes, Clara, yeah, Clara, thank Clara you, Hughes. Clara Hughes, yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. I mean. These people and and Brent Hayden and Daniel Agali, these these people you look up to, you know, Chris Wilson, uh, Justin Abdu, um, you know, uh, Dave McKay, these guys, you know, you look up to. um, Even Steve Marshall, I was a big fan of Steve Marshall. He was a wrestler as well, Mm and um, and now realtor. (laughs) So if you ever need any realty, call Steve Marshall. Um, And uh, you know, it's. It's just been, honestly, the biggest privilege in my life to be able to work with these people Mm -hmm. and know these people. Because, you know, when you work with someone who has that high of standards and and, and that high capacity of of not only learning but teaching, you know, when you teach, um, it, it just, it's just awesome. Because it makes you better. It brings everybody in that circle to a higher level. It does. It does. It, yeah. mm-hmm. it, does. Yeah. it brings the coaches to a higher level, yeah. too. Yeah. It amazes me how um, I became a better coach when I was wrestling kids who were teaching me. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. uh, I miss coaching. I really want to get back into it. And one day I probably will. Um, but right now I got a lot of other things on my mm-hmm. on my plate. So I think you've just written the next chapter of my book called The Synergy of Excellence. Ooh, I like that. I, I like that too. Now, when we were excellence. preparing for the podcast, Kevin Watt said, oh, get this actor who used to do some wrestling on the side. Um, <laughs> tell us about your career as an actor. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> what do you want to know? Um, you know, I was... Uh, I was like I said, I was a very hyperactive kid. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of energy. So uh, my mom and dad they put me into um, theater, and uh, and then from there went on to doing. Um, you know, I was auditioning for everything from uh, from commercials to uh, films and television. When I moved out here in uh, BC. I mean, this was the Mecca. I mean, this is where they they filmed MacGyver. You know, I mean, come on. Richard Dean Anderson. I love that guy. I'm like, are you kidding me? And, you know, actually, I have have, one of those uh, six degrees of separation with, like, Kevin Bacon, who also is a phenomenal actor. Um, uh, Not that I was a phenomenal actor. I'm just saying uh, I was actually thinking of phenomenal actor. I was thinking of uh, my buddy Shane Meyer. Who um, who did a phenomenal job as um, Matthew Shepard, uh, who was the kid that was killed in uh, Wyoming uh, because he was oh, gay, oh, right? right, right, yeah. right? Uh, and he won several awards for that. Um, and um, but uh, Shane, he was the young MacGyver, he, so he was the younger version of MacGyver on the show. Mm-hmm. So whenever they did uh, this flashback, it was right. it was Shane, and Shane now. 
Um, he he he's actually the owner of uh, Good Lad out in North Vancouver. So what's that? It's a clothing company, oh, okay. and then they also do um, uh, uh, shaves for men and mm. like beards and and you know it's a really high end store. Kind but uh, male aesthetics, male aesthetics, man. Mm. But then they they have phenomenal coffee. It's a mm. really good oh. shop, man. Mm. Yeah, it's really nice. So Good Lad is a phena- phenomenal place <laughs> to go to. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them again next week. So so you're not doing a lot of acting not anymore no i i am uh i i've been approached several times uh i gave up acting after 23 years of it um and uh and i gave it up for to be a to be a dad you know to be a dad and it's very important uh i mean being the actor it was it was taking me places i was getting some really good juicy roles and (laughs) i was really enjoying it but uh you know what? Um, you you also have to take this responsibility, and and and, and I did. And yep. when um, you know, uh, I was told that I was going to be a dad. I'm like, yeah, I made this promise mm. that I would, uh, I'd, I'd give up this uh, foo foo living <laughs> of being an actor, and and uh, I took a role on, uh, as a salesman. Yeah, I mean that's a honestly any actor on the on the planet would make a great salesperson. Period. Because you you got to be able to sell yourself. Right. If you can't sell yourself, you can't sell a product, right? That's right. And um, I could sell, you know, uh, water to or ice to an Inuit. <laughs> Notice how he didn't say Eskimo. I noticed that. You're not that. allowed to say that anymore. Yeah, In Edmonton, right. you can. Oh, Edmonton, you can. Really? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure. The Edmonton Inuit. <laughs> you know, I'm nervous. Well, That's not I'm a football not team. I'm not nervous. You know, I'm not nervous about offending people because if people are offended, that's on them. Sure, right? You know, I, um, I you ask know, Don you, Cherry. Well, the, here's the thing about Don Cherry. If you don't, can I just speak yeah, on Don? Sure. So here's the thing. I feel bad for Don Cherry. I mean, he's 80. But people have to realize he's 85 years old. Oh yeah. Okay. He's done with your shit. Yep. Period. Oh, he yeah. doesn't need any any crap from anybody. He's, he stopped carrying in he the seventies, dude. He stopped carrying in his forties. I stopped carrying <laughs> when I was when I turned forty. So you it's know, liberating. For, however, exactly. Um, I don't think I think he misspoke. Yes, um, but I don't think he meant to offend people because the, the guy is not racist. I don't care what anyone says. He's not racist. He's never been racist. No. He will never be racist. He's a proud Canadian. He's a proud Canadian, and he, and he's got great Canadian ethics. He's from the old, old. Old way of things. He's yeah. you know he's an ambassador for hockey. For sure, hockey players. You know, not to mention hockey itself. You know, uh, endorses fighting. So I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword here. Sure. But the other part of that equation is that um, it's from the old school of old school way of thinking for a hockey player. You know, what? it's brute force that that, <laughs> it is. that that wins the success here. It's not you know your brain. It's it's, it's Braun. Yeah. You, you know, you know. Speaking of Braun, you know, I saw a couple of people wearing Bertuzzi. Um, and you know what? Still, right? yeah. still, that's the thing, right? Sure. But that's the sport. For sure, that's sure. the sport. You get into a sport. It's like, it, you know, it's like um, uh, people who who box, right? Or they watch boxing, but then they say, "Oh, it's too brutal." Well, it's boxing. They're they're there to punch them each other in the head. What do you expect? It is what it is. My buddy. Big Cat, Jesse Arnett, who's from Mission, by the way. Um, he's an MMA uh, athlete. He's a phenomenon. Um, he's won championships over the years. He was, a pro, he was a wrestler at one time. 
I got to wrestle him, and by the way, I beat you. <laughs> <clears throat> but only because he was younger and lighter. But uh, now I wouldn't touch him because the, the guy is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I, I I dare say he would he would go in into a match and he would beat you to a pulp. And if you die, you die. Period. But that's the sport. And he is the most respectable human being I've ever met. The guy would die for you in a heartbeat. But once you're in the, in the, in the no, ring. No, it's context you know, it's specific. Right. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Don Cherry shouldn't apologize as far as I'm concerned. He said yeah. his piece. Yeah. He meant his piece. And when does freedom of the speech when, when does that end? Where's like, that line? Where's that line? Like, when do we? Sure. I mean, I mean, I, I feel like we're on. in an era right now where everybody's, you know, it was like the '60s with, you know, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and now we're in this this uh, kind of an era where everybody's kind of defining who they are and how they feel and and what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and. It, one thing can offend somebody else, and and that can offend some. You know, and it, it just it never stops. No, I think just people are learning maybe to be more respectful and kind of curb their. I think if people if they use I, their filter, I think often. well that's the thing. I mean, but uh, but you know if you take a look at some of the, um, I mean some of the theater shows that I did, you know some of the plays that I did, right. like back then, if you did them now, oh yeah. I mean, you would offend people, but why? Mm-hmm. What? What? I mean, I, I don't. I, it's, it's how you take it and and what you make of it, sure. right? I mean, but the context st- stays the same, mm-hmm. and it, and if it's offensive, okay, but sometimes things are meant to be offensive, t- so to make you think. Well, there's you know, I mean, public perception or perhaps public tolerance of. You know, the things that might have been perfectly acceptable to say in the 40s or 50s or 60s just simply isn't that way anymore. And there comes a time where there's freedom of speech. However, do we need to put this person with these, what we would say today, offensive ideas and Mm -hmm. offensive speech ideas, um, you know, to give that person a national platform, which Don Cherry did have. I mean, if he wants to talk to that about his boys, you know, at one of his bars or, you know, behind the scenes, that's fine, you know, because that is freedom of speech in a private situation. But to espouse those sorts of views in, uh, you know, on the CBC or any national network Mm -hmm. on television today, knowing that your product, which it is a product, is being consumed by people of all ages, ethnicities, uh, gender identities, the list goes on. Uh, keep that shit to yourself and talk about it with the boys. But when it's when the green light goes on on your national television show, uh, you pretty much have to play nice. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's, that's a great that's a great uh, point. This, the CBC, though, like we'll you know sum it up here pretty quick uh, or move it along quickly here. Uh, the CBC, like I don't really think they had a formal grooming process in in terms of how people should be, you know, kind of uh, conducting an interview in on CBC hockey because that was that was the audience that you were catering well, to. Well, yeah. I mean, so, Don Cherry was making the money. People who didn't sure, give a rat's right? ass about hockey tuned in to see what the hell Don Cherry would say because he was entertaining. They were smoking on television yes. when Don Cherry kind of came in. And, you know, he sort of was kind of the guy that 
created the whole hockey night in Canada, and then it translated into sports. Uh, you know, Sportsnet, all Sportsnet, of it, right? yeah. So I mean, he created this, and he was kind of. Well, I mean, it's like playing with fire. I mean, here's your golden goose who's uh, creating these great revenues because yeah. of the interesting and often inflammatory things he will say. Mm-hmm. But then it comes to you know pissing people off and it bites CBC or whoever is uh, broadcasting this bites them in the butt, and of course they had to do what's in the right. you know their best interest as a national broadcaster. And uh, you know, I mean, we'll we'll hear his comments you know as long I, as he I breathes think, though, but i think he was fired um i, I think it was too early to fire him I, honestly i i personally think that um uh he had he had the right to defend himself talk about it and and make it make it a, make a proper statement and you know and say look guys i misspoke i didn't mean to say you people you know, and and you know, because like, you people could have been, you know, well, broad spectrum. That's I mean, that's always a bad choice sure, of you words. You people, let me On tell the you. drive over here, you brought up a really good point, which it's I don't know. There's so many kind of ironies in this whole Don Cherry thing, but the big thing was that they let him go on Remembrance Day of all the days to, and and for what he was speaking up for and, and standing up for, and this is revolving around. He was. Canned on, you know, remember it's day. So it's kind of bizarre, but um, I don't know. We should probably wrap that one up. <laughs> you know, we can talk forever. Let's on that go. One. Yeah, I'm I'm no Ron McLean, so let's uh. I'd like to on. give a shout out to Ron McLean and, and yeah, Don sure. Cherry, though, for sure, because I, I, I still love those two. I, sure, I think right. they were a great partnership, and, and it'll be interesting when they bring in Brian Burke. Oh, did I? Did I spoil that? Oh, is that who it's going to be Saturday <laughs> I, night? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be Brian Burke. You watch. <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> well, with all the all the experience that you've had in your wrestling career and the acting and um, you know being a father and stuff like that, uh, you're now working on something new. Yeah. Um, well, com- four, 14 years new. Well, right? And so it's <laughs> encompassing... All of British Columbia. Yeah. Um, you've got a couple of nicknames out there now. Uh, so you're not, you know, you're no longer, I don't know, whatever your old nickname was, but your new nickname is Mr. Warmth, I believe. Isn't it? <laughs> yes. I'm sure. <laughs> it is Mr. Warmth. <laughs> right? Also known as the blanket guy? <laughs> yeah, the blanket guy, Mr. Warmth. Uh, I was thinking of Don Rickles. When, anytime someone calls me Mr. Warmth, I think of Don Rickles, who uh, is very good at um, ribbing people or um, roasting them. And I, I'm very good at roasting people. You go to right? the same barber. Oh, we do go to the same barber, yeah. But he he, 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 uh, he lost his hair, perp- uh, you know, like just naturally i i shaved mine purposely so but um uh and i loved him in casino i'll <laughs> tell you that right now and i almost had a chance to meet him and i, I didn't get to i which is too bad but um because he's passed on now but uh yeah i'm mr warmth now and that has all to do with blanket bc society what's that oh well Thanks for asking, <laughs> Kevin. Appreciate that. Uh, Blanket BC, um, I started back in uh, 2005. I was coming out of a movie theater um, on October 15th, 2005. And uh, ironically, I was actually coming out of a movie that I was in. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. So, I mean, narcissistic, <laughs> yes. Um, self-centered, absolutely. 
But uh, when I came out, I, I noticed this man in um, in an alcove. And he was cold and shivering. So I kind of went up to him because we made eye, con- yeah. eye contact. And I was like, um, is there anything, sir, that I can do to help you? And he kind of just looked up at me and he said, you know, I could use a blanket to survive the night. Hmm. Oh, is that all? <laughs> In my hmm. head, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, well, that's sh- shoot. That's doable. Uh, it's doable, but damn, where do I go get a blanket? Mm. And I realized I'm in Tinseltown, Vancouver, and around the corner was uh, Army and Navy. So right. I went around. I ran over to Army and Navy. It was almost 9 o'clock, mm-hmm. and uh, they were just closing up. So I, as they were closing, yeah. I knocked on the door, and oh, yeah. the girls literally locking up. Mm-hmm. I said, no, no, please. Please, I need a blanket. I need to get a blanket for somebody. Please. And she saw something in me that she opened the door and huh. says okay what do you what do you need to get I said I just need to get a really warm blanket warmest one you got so she took me downstairs mm-hmm. to, to the area where there was a blanket yeah I got a blanket paid for it went over to the uh, area where the gentleman was he was still there mm. and as I approached him I could see him looking at me and just oh. staring at me in huh. a way that I've never been looked at before hmm. And I realized later, I think it had to do with the fact that somebody took action upon his words, Hmm. upon his request of just needing something for him to survive. Yeah. When I gave him the blanket, there were no words spoken. It was just him and I, man to man, human being to human being, exchanging something that profoundly changed my way of being hmm. so um, I gave him the blanket and uh, I laughed and it, I thought about it on the way home and then when I got home uh, my son was up and uh, you know he was 22 months old at the time and I remember him just wanting to play mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah, his mom's sleeping okay I don't mind picking him up and playing with them and <laughs> being a father is the greatest thing on the planet it really is and uh, I was I was mesmer- mesmerized by this kid so we played and we you know we, I talked to him a little bit about what, what took place uh, with this gentleman on the in the alcove there and I told him I says you know man wouldn't it be kind of cool if you and I went around collecting and distributing blankets. Kind of like being Batman and Robin, <laughs> fighting crime. But instead of fighting crime, we're fighting the cold. Fighting and, the cold, yeah. But we're also fighting homelessness. Mm. We're fighting loneliness. Mm. And we're providing love. Yeah, yeah. It's not just the blankets. It's showing that somebody cares. Yeah. yeah. And he turned to me. And, and he's got the bluest eyes <laughs> you'd ever see. He turned to me and he smiled. He had these fat, chubby cheeks. He looked like a little Buddha, you know. I, just, I remember he's 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 since leaned out, <laughs> ladies. He's now fifteen, you know. but um, he looked at me. He said, "Yeah." Hmm. And from then on, we started collecting blankets and then taking them to shelters in the tri cities, and then eventually in the downtown east side. And 
and then we went to you know Burnaby and where Burnaby never had shelters. Derek Oregon was mayor. He he would he refused to accept uh, shelters for years, and I wanted to say that on the podcast mm-hmm. here. Um, but the new mayor is fantastic. They really help out the homeless. But you know we we uh, collected sixty seven blankets that first year. And then the next year, we collected over 2,000. Whoa. And the year after, 15,000. How did you do that? Just by word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Some, you know, media helped out a little yeah. bit. You know, we didn't have podcasts back then. But we, you know. Um, but you did just, have Steve Darling. I did have Steve Darling. And so did, uh, and, and we had, you know, not only Global, CTV, yeah. BT, you know, uh, Breakfast Television, whatnot. Um you know, we we just had a word of mouth, hmm. and I was working for Bell at the time, and uh, we I was in a store because I had just quit acting, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years prior, and I was in 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 this uh, setting where I, I had an opportunity to talk to people, and they can bring in blankets, huh. and it it was because of uh, guys like Marcus uh, Marcus Fromm and uh, Vicky Ursaki, who worked for Bell at the time, who helped me. Um, really um, start Blanket BC as a project and then eventually it turned into a non-profit organization. Huh. And now we've collected and distributed over 450,000 blankets Wow, today. almost half a million blankets. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's our goal for, for our 15-year anniversary is oh, half a million. Neat. Yeah, so we we really hope, you know, we have a, an, or, um, a non-profit, um, sorry, we have a event coming up uh-huh. uh, on every third week of November we put on Blanket BC's Drive on the Line what's it's, that mean? it's a, a blanket drive on the Canada Line so oh, Blanket okay. BC's Drive on mm-hmm. the Line mm-hmm. and uh, we've been doing this uh, now uh, 11 years uh, this will be 11th uh, time and uh, we collect between five and 8,000 blankets just from that drive wow yeah mm. and so um, we take the blankets we count them and then we find out um who needs what how do you do that making phone calls oh, okay. emails they call us they mm-hmm. email us hmm. and um uh, we're in con- con- uh, we're in uh, contact with over 156 different shelter programs throughout the entire lower mainland metro mm-hmm. vancouver fraser valley and uh, Sunshine Coast and uh, Vancouver Island. I mean, it's it's, it's a big blanket. There's a yeah, there's a lot of yeah yeah. I don't think that uh, Greta girl likes me very much because I'm we're <laughs> the creator of of uh, global warming because <laughs> you actually take if you literally take a blanket a six foot blanket end to end yeah you can take all our blankets and you can wrap around the world uh, two and a half times. Wow, that's that's a visual. <laughs> that's, that's global warming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, isn't it? It is. It really is. But you know, not only that. We are all about um, education. <coughs> We're all about um, um, getting people to invest their time, which is the biggest and most precious commodity we have on this planet is yep. time. And we ask people, don't give me your money. I don't want, I don't want your cash. Hmm. I mean, I'll accept it. Yeah. But more so, I would love your time. If you provide us time, we'll give you something to do. And that doing is what makes this world better and a better and a better community and a more beautiful community because that's the BC that's what BC uh stands for beautiful communities blanket BC blanket nah. beautiful communities we're creating a beautiful community by giving the time of ourselves by volunteering ourselves and creating that beautiful community by giving 
ourselves, we're helping others. That's what Blanket BC is all about, just helping others. You know, if we can participate, whether as a, uh, a company team or a uh, sports team, which we have a lot of sports team, they, they, they participate, um, or individuals or families, young families. We want to encourage families with young kids. Huh. Why start volunteering at 16 or 17? Why not start at one, two, three? Yeah, because build becomes, that into the culture. Yeah, it's a behavior, yeah. right? You, you can't just teach empathy. Right? You can't teach somebody to be empathetic. They have to learn it through motion, through action, and through understanding. You know, when we have people come out and drop blankets off at um, shelters and, you know, women abuse centers and whatnot, mm-hmm. they see a whole other side. And they really, they really have a better understanding as to why we do what we do mm-hmm. and why it's necessary is what mm-hmm. we do it's really it's really really sad because we've the need for blankets and warm clothing are greater every year you know Gregor Robertson the, the former mayor of, of uh, Vancouver had this uh, great vision of, of ending homelessness and as as lovely as it was it was the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life and I told him so to his face he did not like that. Mm. But I told him, that's not the way things are going, man. Mm. Boots on ground, right? You're the Boots one on ground. You know? We are on the ground. We are out there delivering warmth, not just at the shelters, but on the street. Mm-hmm. And not just on the street and in the shelters, but in homes. Mm. That's right. Homes that don't have heat. There's mm. houses out there that have zero heat wow. in the home. We were one of them. Mm. I, at one time, even though I was working and making money, yeah. I couldn't. Our, our furnace blew up, yeah. and I could not afford a new furnace. A new furnace. So yeah. for a whole winter, we went without any warmth. Hmm. You know, it wasn't until later on that father-in-law found out, and he's like, "No, no, no, that's not right." And yeah, he helped sure. us out. So that only that further cements your belief in Blanket BC. How many communities are you into now? Uh, I guess in the lower mainland and maybe stretching out and beyond. Well, um, it, it's it's uh, we, we the the cool thing about Blanket BC is um, we inspire, we inspire other communities to participate. Um, I just got an email yesterday uh, from the tourism uh, Kelowna, or Kelowna tourism. Oh, yeah, Kelowna. Yeah, hmm. and and there we've had a lot of interest in Kelowna. I just. Boots on the ground, right? You yeah, know, right. It, and it takes a lot of uh, a lot of organization to get uh, Blanket BC everywhere. That's right. But when corporations and companies they take on that task, it's a lot easier. So I'm looking forward to to you know expanding out to you know, and we've delivered to Kelowna before. Huh. We've delivered to uh, Kamloops and Vernon, uh, Penticton. Okay. Um, but um, it's not on a regular basis. We want to make this a regular basis. Anywhere I've actually delivered to uh, Chetwin. Wow, that's as <laughs> I mean, far north as you can almost uh, go in almost, our province. Yeah. yeah, and um, and but we've also reached out to Africa, and uh, yeah, just recently we, we there was um, uh, there's this absolutely phenomenal human being by the name of Trish Mendewo. Uh, she's from, from she's from Zimbabwe. Okay, um, she's a city councilor in the city of Coquitlam, mm. and uh, she's she's a she's 
a phenomenon. I love her. She's actually um, one of our advisors to our board of directors. And uh, she asked if we could help her um, get blankets delivered to um, Zimbabwe and Malawi in that region because of the uh, cyclone that took place there just you know a little while ago. Mm-hmm. So we hooked up with another organization called uh, Ruben Shoes Society, and um, Kelly and Desiree uh, run that organization, and they were able to get a big, um, you know, 40-foot trailer, and we stuffed blankets and shoes and medical supplies, and we've sent it out there. So it should be arriving soon. I don't know exactly when, but Trish is going to go out there and make sure it is there. Boots on the ground. That's mm. right, exactly. You know? And that's it's 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 the best feeling in the world <laughs> to be able to to reach out like yeah. there in the Philippines. I know. I remember we had um, a gentleman by the name of Jack. He was one of our blanketeers. And notice I said blanketeer, not volunteer. Uh. Ah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And. Um, you know, he came to us and said, you know, 26 members of his family were wiped out. Wow. And because of that big, that big um, uh, typhoon that, that took place, is there anything you can do? And I'm like, exactly. Silence. I couldn't say anything mm-hmm. except take action. So we worked with another organization. We got 10,000 blankets sent out to the Philippines to the, his village. Um just to show that we have love and 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 we want to give them hope and say you know whatever we can do we will you know and um you know we we do what we can so what started out as you seeing this guy outside Tinseltown yeah years ago started off locally mm-hmm. spread throughout the lower mainland and now you're helping people around the world because yeah. there's no shortage of need. No, there's yeah. definitely no shortage. I've got I my one of my goals is to uh, send ten thousand um, or more blankets um, to India. There's uh, I've got a friend of mine in India who um, uh, works with um, uh, kids in uh, uh, their orphans, you know, orphanages and stuff like that, and. Uh, he, he would love our blankets and he's always asking for blankets and mm. it's like it's like 15 to 20 thousand dollars to send stuff out there wow yeah know? right you know it's a lot of money yeah and I mean I think for that money you know if we can just raise the money and send it out there he would probably buy mm. more for blankets sure, right? in India right uh. so where are you finding your volunteers um, everywhere we have we have a family coming from Seattle mm-hmm. and uh, one of our board members uh, Sean Williams who I'm going to give a huge shout out to because Sean is a phenomenon. He is one of the most brilliant people I know. He's one of the most kind, caring, loving individuals on this planet. And he's coming up. He's actually flying up tonight from Virginia. Wow. From Ewing, Virginia. Wow. Big shout out to Ewing, Virginia. <laughs> Ewing! <laughs> and, um, you know, he's got family there in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, all my brothers in Tennessee right now. And Chris Buck, hey, man, how you doing? Yo, what's up, bro? I miss you, man. And AJ Jardine, I love you, girl. I uh, just want a big shout out to uh, my friends. And, of course, all my my tone uh, brethren and, and sisters out there. Is this a music thing? It's a music thing. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. So for I'm big on music. the folks uh, here in the Mission Abbotsford, Coquitlam uh, area, how can the local folks help blanket BC out? Um, simply by giving us a call. 
you know, they can um, either create a, a little blanket drive on their own and then call us to, and we'll do a complimentary pickup or we mm-hmm. can do something even bigger. I would love to work with uh, brewing companies. I'm a big, I'm big fans mm-hmm. of uh, uh, beer, you know, mm-hmm. and um, uh, brewing and blankets go t- well together. I'm just saying, I'm t- throwing that out there like Monkey Nine Brewing. I love those guys, you know, and uh, they're fantastic. And Parallel 49, of which, by the way, we were enjoying <laughs> some Parallel 49 today. Absolutely. You know, interesting. Um, <laughs> I myself, I'm involved in an event uh, for um, mental health. Yes. We uh, just went to Old Yale Brewery in Chilliwack. Yeah. Very nice. On a, uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we met with the fire department. We, um, the fire department donated... Uh, their portion, their contribution from uh, the event that we held during the summer. But, you know, I can say that uh, um, Old Yale Brewery might definitely be an outfit to look towards for yeah. uh, for some sort of uh, uh, sponsorship or perhaps like in a location where you could hold uh, a donation center uh, evening, right? Yeah. You know, something to think about. But, you know, um, we're we're talking. You know, sponsorships is really really important. And you know, we're the little guy. We're not. We don't even have a charitable status. We've been around fourteen years. Wow. Yeah. And the amount of work we've done and what we've been able to do and help the community um, with no charity status uh, just goes to show the power of the people, the power of an individual, the power of just doing. Hmm. And ex- you know, um, original Joe's a couple of years ago, they gave us a check for ten thousand wow. dollars, and then they did not ask for a, char- a charity. Uh, well, tax that's receipt. the thing with the receipt, right? Yeah. yeah so but they didn't ask for mm-hmm. it, and you know what? You don't have to because we advertise the heck out of them, and they, they just said, you know, we'll just chalk mm-hmm. it up as an advertisement expense. Okay. And and I'm just saying, a lot of companies can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a few extra um, pieces of paper, yeah. but you know, that's I, I want to prove that the little guy can. Still do the big stuff and help yeah. out in bigger yeah. ways than some of the bigger organizations out there. Um, yeah, you can write a check and give it to whomever. And that's great. Good on you. But you know what? We're not asking for that. Even though we need it, let me tell you, <laughs> we need your dollars. We yeah. really do. Um, but that's not what we're asking for. Mm. We're asking for your time and your warmth. That's it. Huh. You know, it, it makes, nothing, it, it makes it easier. It makes it easier. Yeah. I mean, if you gave up four hours of your time, you know, that's, that's okay, that's a few episodes of whatever show you're watching. You know, and Disney Plus just came out. Believe me, I want to be streaming everything right now. Mm-hmm. I'm watching, you know, Star, Star, uh, Star Wars from the very beginning. <laughs> um, but honestly, if you can just give up some of your time, you know, you're going to make a bigger difference in this world and you're going to make yourself feel better. And that's right. It's not a one-way street. I mean, it pays back to it the individual. Yeah. yeah. My kids are great in school. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they're great in school. There's a reason why they got um, lots of friends, right? I'm not saying it's all me. It's definitely their mom. It's definitely their grandparents mm-hmm. on both sides. Yeah. Um, it's the people they hang out with. But there's a lot to say about the work ethic, right? Um, and just... Thinking of others, putting others before yourself. Yeah, social yeah. responsibility, right. you know, and and to, uh, I mean, that's one of the hugest. Not to get too cheesy for Christmas, but that's one of the biggest gifts you can give as a child to instill them with a sense of social obligation, social responsibility, and it's not just give, give, give. I mean, because you get back 
uh, as you were, you know, espousing so beautifully, uh, you know, it, it, it comes back to you in a big way as well. So it's a, it's a beautiful community. community. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Greg. Thank uh, you, Kevin. Appreciate uh, there's it. a time theme in this podcast, and thank you so much. Uh, thank you to Kevin Watt for introducing me to this very cool guy full of passion, ideas, and energy, and uh, best of luck in your endeavors to Blanket BC. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I just want a big, big shout out to The Promised as well, because... I love Noel and sure, I love right. uh, Jesse, of course. For sure, right? So just before we wrap up on the, the podcast here, where can we find out more about Blanket BC? <coughs> well, you can find out at www.blanketbc.org. Okay, and if there are three things that you would wish for for the holiday season in respect to Blanket BC, what would they be? Wow, Kevin, that is... Um, that's a really those are really good questions. I I would say that my three wishes would be um, um, for more warmth. Number one, um, more volunteers. Number two, especially for our drive on the line, those are the, our biggest uh, events of the year, and um, uh, cash flow. Um, you know, working with a sponsor that would be able to help us um, with cash flow because um, delivering warmth costs a lot of money. So, but you know what? Thank you very much, guys. I really, really appreciate your uh, time, and um, I love you guys. Thank you. Thanks, and best of luck. Thank you. 